Well, we're starting a brand new message series today and it's called Mastermind. And over the next few Sundays, we're gonna be taking a look at the mind of the Apostle Paul. And we're doing this because if you take a look at Paul's writings toward the end of his life, you can't help but realize that he had managed to get his mind and his thoughts to the place where he was actually winning the battle of the mind that we all face every single day. Paul mastered his thinking to just about what I would consider the maximum degree possible this side of heaven. And you might be thinking, it's not relatable, Jeff. I'm a billion, million miles away from just what you described the Apostle Paul being. My mind is like a dodgeball game where my thoughts are just flying around all over the place and any second, one that I didn't even see coming might just hit me in the side of the face. That's what my mind is like. And the good news for you and I is that the Apostle Paul was not always a master of his mind, not always a master of his thoughts. And if you read some of his earlier writings, you can sense his frustration over not having mastered his thoughts. He battled. You might have heard one of his most relatable writings about this battle. He said, you want to know what my problem is? I don't actually do the things that I want to do. Instead, I do the things that I don't want to do. I know what I should do, I just don't do it. Who can help me with this? Who can deliver me from this body of death that keeps leading me to do things that I don't actually wanna do? That's relatable, that's relatable. When we hear that, part of us says, man, I feel you, Paul. I can relate to that. He battled again and again and again in the mind and he fought, but he also won. He took ground and over time he mastered his thoughts to such a degree that even when everything in his life seemed to be against him, everything seemed to be going wrong and he's chained in prison in Rome, he could speak things that were straight from the heart of God because he had captured his thoughts. And his thoughts were not controlling him, he was controlling his thoughts. And that's what we're going to talk about. And I want to set the tone of this series by taking a look at what's going to be our key verse today. We're going to start going through it. It's on your outlines. It's from Paul's second letter to the Corinthian church. And he starts by saying this. He says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Here's what he's saying. He's saying even though we're in physical bodies, we don't fight our battles as Christians with our physical bodies. If you're a follower of Jesus, then you've got access to supernatural weapons that God has given to you. He goes on and says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not physical, but they're mighty in God. And the Greek word that's translated as mighty there is the word dunatas, dunatas. We get words like, like dynamic and dynamite from this type of Greek word. It's the explosive, miraculous power of God. And so Paul begins by saying, understand that the battles that you and I are called to fight as Christians are not with our bodies, but we're to fight using supernatural weapons that are given to us by God. For what purpose? Well, then he goes on and he tells us, for pulling down strongholds, for pulling down strongholds. Well, what is a stronghold? It's not a word that we use every day in our normal life, but it comes from this Greek word called ahurama, ahurama. That sounds really legit when you say it like that, right? And I always say, when I say these Greek words, it doesn't really matter if I'm doing it wrong. It's not like someone's gonna be like, actually, you're butchering the Greek pronunciation. 
It refers to a, a fortified prison. So if you were in a stronghold, you were a prisoner. You were inside a fortified prison. Paul's talking about the mind, and he's talking about our thoughts here. And so what kind of stronghold is he talking about? I think he's talking about how Satan loves to lock us up and imprison us using deception. And we've all believed and bought into lies at different times in our lives that have imprisoned us in our minds, imprisoned us in our thinking. And it happened because the enemy slowly got us to believe, to buy into one lie after another until we are surrounded by lies. And we find ourselves in this stronghold, in this fortified prison, because we believed one lie after another, and each one has become like a brick that has imprisoned us by deception. And what do these lies sound like? I don't know what it sounds like for you, but maybe it's, hey, you can't trust people. You can't trust anybody. You can't let anybody know the real you. Maybe it's God doesn't really love you. He doesn't really care about you. And you know that because he's not really listening to your prayers. Nothing really changes. You're never going to get over it. You're never going to get over it. Your life's always going to be bad. You're always going to be hurting from that thing. You're never going to have a relationship with real intimacy. That ship has sailed. Whatever it is, the, the enemy lies to you and lies to you and lies to you. But Paul says, he says, God's given you access to supernatural weapons. And then in the verse he says, for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Paul says, this is what the weapons God has given you are for. Taking any thought that is not from God and crushing it, vanquishing it, demolishing it, obliterating it, we crush everything that's not in line with God's truth that tries to enter our minds. How do we do that? He goes on and he tells us, by bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. How do we do that? That's what we're gonna talk about over these next few weeks. We're gonna learn how to recognize thoughts that are not from God, how to capture those thoughts and make them obedient to Christ. But why does this matter so much? I mean, why should you even care about what you're thinking? about what the thoughts are going on in your mind. Because the life that you have, the life that you're living right now, is a reflection of the thoughts that you think. The relationships you have right now are a reflection of the thoughts that you think. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts and beliefs. And maybe you're, you're starting to get nervous, because we're a church that loves the word of God, and you're saying, Jeff, Jeff. This sounds a little psychobabbly. This sounds a little bit uh, shallow. This sounds like milk, not meat. What's going on here, Jeff? And, and I want to just ask you to hang with me. Because everything we're talking about is rooted in God's word. And let me also say this. We all understand that our beliefs are reflected in our thinking, right? This is obvious to all of us. What we believe affects the way we think. It affects the way we think. Let me say that again, we all understand that our beliefs are reflected in our thinking. And so if we want to live the life that God has called us to live to the fullest, we have to line up our thoughts with the truth. 
That's why it's true the life you have is a reflection of the thoughts that you think. And if you want to change your life, you have to change your thinking. You've got to change your thinking. Change your thinking, you'll change your life. In fact, right now, what I, what I want to do is I just want to stop before we go any further in this series. And I, and I just want to pray one more time and, and ask God as we go into this series, wherever we're at, to grow our minds and our thinking to line up more perfectly with the truth. And I'm gonna ask you just to agree with me just for a moment in your own heart that I want my mind to line up with the truth of what God says. I want that. If you'll just agree with that, I believe you're giving the Lord an open door to go to work in your life to do that. So let's just pray for a minute. Father, thank you again for the chance to be here, to be in your word. And Father, we just all can relate to the truth that Our mind is a battlefield of thoughts, Lord. And we know that your word is the truth. And so what we're asking is that as we study your word, as we go through this series, that Lord, you would shape and mold our thinking to be even more in line with the truth of your word, that we would be in total agreement with you, that as Amos 2.2 says, Lord, we would be the two that walk together in agreement Lord God, so that we can go where you want to take us, Lord, and experience the life that you want to give us. We love you, Lord, and we welcome your work in our lives. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, let's keep moving. Write this down. It's your first fill-in. We said it earlier. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, not named Jesus Christ, understood this. And this is how Solomon put it, also on your outlines. He said, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. He said, for any man, for any woman, as you think, that's what you become to a certain degree. Your thoughts drive the direction of your life. If you think you can't overcome that sin issue, you probably won't. If you believe that through the power of Jesus you can, you probably will. If you believe that you're a victim, always suffering at the hand of some outside circumstance or person, you're going to go through your whole life a victim. If you believe that you can overcome that through the power of Jesus, you will overcome. If you're always looking at problems and dwelling on the problems, your problems will overwhelm you. But if you're instead looking for solutions, looking for the work of God, the hand of God, you're going to find solutions and you're going to see God working in your life. Through personal experience, almost all of us can testify that in almost every situation, every struggle in life, the battle is won or lost in the mind. Before we say anything, before we do anything, there's a battle that's taken place in the mind that we've either won or lost. We've all experienced this. We all do all the time. It's a battle between God's truth and Satan's lies about you, about you. It's a war between God's truth and our enemy's deception. Now, so as we lay the foundation for this series, I want to ask you to think about what you think about. That's the whole goal of this series, to think about what you think about. For example, just think about what you've been thinking about for the past few days. I'm talking about where your mind goes when you lay your head on the pillow at night. It's very often the same thing. 
What do you think about when you wake up in the night and you're trying to get back to sleep again? What do you think about when you get in your car and you start driving, when you pull out your driveway? Where does your mind go when it has a moment to itself and you're not on your phone? Let's call this a a, a thought audit. We're gonna do a little exercise that's on your outlines. And I've given you three different scales on there just to think about what you've been thinking about. And if you look at your notes, you'll see those three little scales and we'll go through them quickly. Now, I have to tell you this too, don't peek at your spouse's answers, okay? If you don't trust your spouse, you can cover it up. I won't judge you, okay? Give your spouse some personal space and then you can discuss it over dinner because there's nothing men love more at dinner time than talking about their feelings, right? So the women are like, yay! And all the men are like, you sold me out, Jeff. Sold me out, thanks for nothing. So let's start with, uh, let's start with worried thoughts versus peaceful thoughts. Worried thoughts versus peaceful thoughts. You're, you're gonna circle a number between one and 10 with one being crazy worried and 10 being total peace. All the thoughts that you've been thinking when you've had time to think to yourself, where have they been on that scale between worried and, and total peace? Many of us are worried about what people think about our kids. We're worried about the future or money or our job or our health or how long this thought audit that Pastor Jeff is making us do is gonna take or, or whatever. Are you worried about all kinds of things or do you have a peaceful mind that lets you rest well at night and during the day where you're free of anxiety? What do you think about, worry or, or peaceful thoughts? Let's talk about another one. Let's contrast a, a positive mindset with a negative mindset. Which one are you? Are you generally negative, generally critical of other people? Can you believe she wore that? Who does he think he is? Or I can't believe he's driving so slow. What an idiot. There's a little bit of confession there. Do you find fault easily? Are you discontented? Do you feel like life is, life is always hard and it's only gonna get worse? Are you negative in your mindset or do you see the positive? Are you generally more, I believe the best about people? Life is generally good and I believe in the goodness of God. I believe he's for me, he's with me, and he's working in all things to bring about good. Are you, are you negative or positive? And then lastly, let's talk about a contrast between worldliness and an eternal mind. And I'll explain this. Would you say that you're more worldly? You're generally thinking about the things of this world, what benefits me, what I can get, what I can have, what I want? Or are you more eternally minded thinking about the things of the kingdom of God, how I can be a blessing to others, how I can use my life to bring glory to Jesus, how I can serve somebody, how I can pray for someone that needs the Lord. Think about what you think about. Rank yourself on that scale in your thoughts for these past few days because your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. In other words, what comes into your mind comes out of your life. That's where it starts. Like I said earlier, there's nothing you say, there's nothing you do that didn't begin in your mind. No matter what you do, no matter what you have, no matter what you know, no matter what you buy, no matter where you live, no matter where you travel, write this down. You cannot have a positive life when you have a negative mind. You cannot have a positive life when you have a negative mind. Your thoughts matter. Let me put this to you another way. Are you excited about where your thoughts are taking you? If you take inventory of your, of your thought life, 
He's saying, yeah, those thoughts are driving me towards a good life in the things of God where I'm going to experience his joy, his blessings, or are your thoughts taking you if they all actually manifest in your life to ruined relationships and bitterness and unforgiveness and strife? Where are your thoughts taking you? Think about what you think about. Are you satisfied? Are you blessed? Are you excited by the direction your thought life is taking you? Can I be honest? It's not, it's not always great for me. As a pastor, my life is pretty much extreme highs and extreme lows. So I might come to church and it's one of those Sundays where finally everyone's healthy. There's no activities going on. Everyone's there. There's even some new folks too. And it's like, oh, God is on the move. God is on the move. We're going to have to leave this building soon. And then there's other weeks when everyone seems to have something else going on and everyone was incredibly inconsiderate and all got sick at the same time. And the last people who used the sanctuary left the heat on crazy high. So during the message, I'm looking out and people are like, oh, it's so hot. That's going on. And I'm thinking, I am wasting my life. I am wasting my life. One day I'm getting emails from people across the world saying, Pastor Jeff, God has done amazing things in my life through the teaching ministry of New Hope. And then the next day, somebody close to me has left the church. It's a life of extremes where you feel like God is using you profoundly one moment and then the next day you feel like you're completely delusional the next day. And in the midst of the the constant up and down, I'm I'm always less than one week away from the next message in the next service. That's coming up, no matter what. They don't stop. And there have been Sundays when I've looked at Charlene and I've said, I want to go to church today. The message is going to suck. No one's going to be there. And she's like, well, you're the pastor. People are kind of expecting you to show up. And it hasn't always been easy, but I've grown a lot over the past couple of years in, in terms of leveling out those highs and lows a little bit more and how much I let them affect my thinking. And I I can tell you from my personal experience that your thoughts affect everything about your life. That's some of what we're gonna be talking about over these next few weeks. How do we stop our minds from just running wild with thoughts and instead bring our thoughts under submission to the word of God? The marriage you have, is a result of the thoughts that you think. Your financial standing is often a result of your mindset about money. The joy or lack of joy you have in your life is based on what you think, what you focus on, and what you believe about God and your life and yourself. And so we're gonna dive into those things. Today we're at ground zero. This is the foundation. I'm gonna give you two very simple things that we're gonna work on, and then we're gonna build on those in the weeks to come. All right, so the first thing I want you to do is this. Identify the number one stronghold in your life that's holding you back from living the life Jesus wants you to live. Remember what a stronghold is? It's something that has imprisoned you through deception. So what's the lie? 
What's the deception that you've bought into? What is your enemy trying to use to keep you from the life that God wants you to have? Maybe you hear in yourself talk, I'm, I'm never gonna be good enough, my past is too messed up. After all that I've done, God could never use me, he could never give me a meaningful relationship, I can't trust anybody, can't get close to anybody. I'm never gonna get a job that I actually like, I'm always gonna be behind everybody else in life. I'm never gonna reach that next level. I'm never gonna have enough. All my relationships are ultimately gonna fall apart no matter what I do, but what's the number one lie? What's the stronghold that's holding you back? And this is so important because whenever we have a thought, whenever we have a thought, our brain literally redesigns itself around that thought. There's a chemical makeup in the brain that changes. So every single thought we have creates a neurochemical change in our body. If you think a a positive thought, for example, your body rewards you with a, a little hit of a legal drug called dopamine. Gives you a quick legal buzz, a quick thrill. You know that feeling, you hear some good news, dopamine. Someone likes or comments on your Instagram post, how do you look so young, dopamine. That's why we keep doing it. I don't care about the likes at all, but 43, man, this is a good day. Somebody says, man, you're looking good today. Dopamine. My wife messages me and says, don't work too hard. Save some energy for later. Dopamine. And TMI, I know, TMI too. It's that little chemical hit. It's that high, that thrill that makes your brain say, I like that thought. Let's think it again. And the more you think a thought, the more you're creating what scientists call neural pathways in your brain. Whenever you learn a skill, whenever you form an an opinion or a theory or a thesis or a belief about something, it creates these synapses in your brain and there's these connections between these synapses called neural pathways, neural pathways, and this is huge. So if you imagine sort of a giant grassy field or that you're in a wood, the more you think a thought, every time you think it, it's like you're wearing down that path a little bit more. Instead of just being in a forest where you can go anywhere, what are you gonna do? You're gonna follow a path, right? So every time you think a thought, you begin walking down that path and you begin wearing it down. And if you think a thought enough, that's why it becomes a default thought in your brain. If you tell yourself you don't have enough over and over and over again, you create a pathway in your mind that makes it easier for you to believe that you don't have enough than to believe that God is your provider because you've created a negative neural pathway in your mind. If you're still not tracking with me in sports, this is just the idea of muscle memory. You tell your brain to do something, to swing a golf club or something like that over and over again the right way. You're creating muscle memory so that when you pick it up, you don't even have to think, you just do it by default. You do it by default. In CrossFit, they call it greasing the groove. You're just trying to do the same thing over and over and over to program your mind. And so this is the idea. Whatever the thought is, if you do it over and over again, you can program it to become the default in your mind. We've talked about this before. Even with the epidemic of internet pornography, why it's so serious, it's because you literally program your mind to believe that sex is an image on a computer screen. You change the default wiring of your brain so that when you're actually in a sexual situation with a real human being, your brain says this isn't what sex is. 
because you've changed the default programming of your mind. This affects Christians and non-Christians alike. You create these neural pathways. And so in order to change our thinking, we have to change the path that our thoughts travel on. If you're really getting this, then your mind will start to explode with understanding about all sorts of things. This is why it's so hard for someone who's raised in a home with unhealthy habits to change those habits. This is why so often they just continue in those bad habits because they were raised and trained to develop these neural pathways. This is how addiction works. I have sadness, I have depression, I have anxiety. What do I do? I need a drink, I need a hit. I need something, you create these default neural pathways and your mind goes there automatically, automatically, automatically. So if you wanna change your thoughts, you gotta begin to create new neural pathways. If I've got nothing but a negative path, I have to begin stopping and saying, wait a minute, that thought is not helpful. That's not productive, that's not from God. So I'm gonna capture that thought and even though everything in me feels like it should go this way, I'm gonna go this way toward a different thought, a different path, a new pathway, the one that I know the word of God says I should be going down. When you've created unhealthy pathways, here's the thing, the path seems clear. It seems easy, it seems obvious, but if you choose to stay off those unhealthy pathways, something happens. Things begin to grow back and that path becomes a little less attractive, a little less easier to walk down. Every time you choose not to walk down it, it grows over, it grows back. And suddenly you begin to create new pathways with God-honoring thoughts, and suddenly it's actually possible to create a pathway where the truth of God becomes the default instead of the lie. This is why they talk about how many days it takes to create a habit. What are you doing when you do that? You're simply wearing down a new path in your mind. You might think, oh no, oh no, it's, it's that I'm doing the action over and over again. It's, it's even before that. It's happening in your mind. You're making the choice to do that. You're creating a new pathway. That's how creating habits work. So we work to create God-honoring neural pathways in our brains. For example, if you might have a frustrating day at work and you come home and there's chaos everywhere and the kids are out of control and you're already emotionally and energetically depleted and so the thought that comes into your mind is, okay, I'm gonna yell at him. Shut up! Stop screaming all the time! And every day when that happens, you walk home and you yell. And guess what you're doing? You're programming your mind. You're creating this neural pathway and your brain will actually begin to connect it where your brain will say, oh, it's around six o'clock, your hand is on the front door. Oh, I know what happens now. We open the door, we walk in and we scream. That's what we do. That's what we're programmed to do. When there's chaos, we yell, loud noises, you know? So, so what we have to do is we have to capture that thought and say, you know, that, that's not a healthy, God-honoring way of processing the situation. And we change the thinking to something like, what do I do when I'm in that situation? Okay, maybe you stop and count to 10 or 500 or whatever the number is that you need. Or maybe you say, you know what, I stop, I count to 10 and I pray. I say hi to everyone, I go into the bedroom for a minute and I just pray, God, just thank you for my home, thank you that I get to be here, thank you for my kids, thank you for my family, help me to bless them this evening. 
And as you do that, you begin to let the grass grow over that old neural pathway where you would yell and you start wearing down a new one. Whenever your mind says, I don't feel good about myself, let's eat something. There's a clear pathway that you're creating between that bad feeling and the refrigerator. I don't feel good, ice cream is the solution. What you gotta do is you gotta capture that thought and say, well, no, no, actually, when I don't feel good about myself and then I eat, then I've compounded the unhealthy feeling with an actual unhealthy action. So I'm not actually gonna travel that path. I'm gonna travel a, a new path. I might go for a walk. I might exercise. I might open up the word of God and just read something in there that just blesses me and reminds me that God is for me. Your mind tells you, I'm gonna blow it. I'm never any good at this. I screw everything up. Nothing goes my way. You recognize that's not a God-honoring thought, and you say, I'm not going to go down that path. I'm going to capture that thought. It's not healthy. It's not productive. It's not lifting my spirit. I'm going to choose a different path. I believe God's with me. I believe he's for me. I believe he's blessing me. His spirit dwells within me. I believe he hears my prayers. He's never going to leave me. He's never going to forsake me. Okay, you create a new pathway. How do we change our lives? We, we turn our minds away from the lies of the enemy and toward the truth of God. The scriptures are very, very clear about this. This is not a psychological concept. This is a spiritual concept from the Bible. Romans 12, 2, on your outlines, Paul says, do not be conformed to this world. If you wanted to say it another way, you could literally say, don't conform to the world's neural pathways. Don't conform to the world's pattern of thinking. Don't think like the world thinks but be transformed. How are we transformed? By the renewing of your, underline it, mind. You're transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove or know what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Science would say you're creating new neural pathways, you're rewiring your brain. God's word says no, you're renewing your mind. And please get this. The implication is that God says, your mind needs to be renewed. My mind needs to be renewed regularly. My neural pathways, my patterns of thinking are not by default good and right and true and godly. That's not the way my mind is naturally. In fact, I have old pathways of thinking that need to be neglected and allowed to grow over, and I need to create new ones that line up with what the Word of God says. My assignment for you is this. If you haven't written it down, identify the number one stronghold that's holding you back. Just one. Just one. What's yours? It's so important. You have to define it. You have to define it. Whatever it is, you've got to name it. You've got to write it down. You can't defeat what you can't define. So give it a name. This is the lie from the enemy that has me imprisoned, that's limiting my life. Name it, and then we're going to attack it with the word of God. Identify that one stronghold. The second thing we're going to do is this. I want you to name the truth from God's word that demolishes that stronghold. What's the truth from God's word that demolishes that stronghold, that lie. Do the research. Ask some brothers or sisters in Christ. Ask the Lord to show you. We're not gonna travel the old, unhealthy, unhelpful path. Instead, we're gonna say, this is a lie. Here's the truth. I choose this path. 
And I want you to understand how, how strongholds of the mind work by imprisoning us with lies. And, and, and if you really want to get this, all you have to do is hop on YouTube and, and look at some of the, just the meanest uh, pranks that I've seen dudes play on each other, usually at bachelor parties. I don't know if you've seen this where they've ever got the guy and, and he's usually like down to his underwear and he's blindfolded and they're telling him that he's like on the edge of a waterfall or on the edge of a giant cliff, a great hike. And sometimes they've even got like fans or like they're spraying a little water to add the effect. And they're like, this is it, man. You're taking the plunge into marriage. So you got to take the plunge from 100 feet. Go for it. And they'll like push him off or something like that. And, and, and the whole joke is he's six inches off the ground. And the guy is absolutely freaking out. And he's six inches off the ground. And all he had to do was take the blindfold off. And then he would have seen the reality of the situation. The point is this. He was being deceived. He was not actually in the situation he thought he was in. Reality was not what he thought it was. His mind had been deceived. And some of you feel like you're in a hopeless situation right now. But if you would just take the blindfold off and stop believing the lies of the enemy, you would see that in reality, through Christ, your situation is completely different. Completely different. What's the lie holding you back in your life? And what's the truth in God's word that demolishes that lie? Paul is in prison, chained, guards, walls, bars, well, I guess your ministry is over. No, 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 that's not the reality of my situation. I'm exactly where God wants me to be. So in fact, I'm gonna write some of the most moving content in the New Testament from this prison cell because I'm choosing to see my situation through the truth of God's word, not through the lies of the enemy. Let's look again at 2 Corinthians 10. It's the Apostle Paul, the guy who struggled with his mind, the guy who, who fought for right thinking, the guy who never surrendered to the lies but continued to press for the truth. He said, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Now tune in, church. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We take captive every thought, we make it obedient to Christ. And I love the word captivity that Paul uses. It comes from a Greek word that actually means to arrest or seize with a sword or a spear. So to arrest someone by force. Now think with me about what the Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians 6 when he's writing about the armor of God that we have available to us, what these spiritual weapons are to use in our battle with the enemy. Every single item in the armor is defensive. The helmet, the breastplate, the shield, etc. Every piece of armor he mentions is defensive except for one, one offensive weapon. The sword of the spirit, which he tells us is what? The word of God. The word of God. So understand how these link together. How do you take a thought that's not from God captive? How do you arrest it? How do we take a thought captive that doesn't want to be taken captive? With the word of God. With the sword of the spirit. We say to our minds and to that thought, this is what the word of God says. 
Therefore, this is what is true. This is what I will embrace. Anything less is not from God and I will not believe it. It's the very tactic you see Jesus using during his temptation in the wilderness at the beginning of his ministry. The word of God says this. That's how you go on the offensive. That's how you hold out the sword of the spirit and arrest a thought that doesn't want to be taken captive. We refuse to go down the negative pathway. This doesn't lead to God's destination. I'm going on a different road. That old path gets to start growing over. And as we make that decision over and over and over again, that old path really does start to grow over and become less appealing, less easy to go down. The more I travel God's truth, the more I believe it, the more he renews my mind, the more he changes my thinking, the more I'm able to walk by faith and not by sight, the more his spirit guides me, the more his word directs me, the more his power empowers me to live the life that he's called me to live. Your life and my life are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. What comes into your mind comes out of your life. We capture the wrong thoughts. We capture the wrong thoughts. What's the number one thought, the number one stronghold that's held me hostage for me in my life? It's that I'm never doing enough, never doing enough. If I'm giving the church the attention it deserves, I'm neglecting my family. If I'm giving my family the attention they deserve, I'm neglecting the church. If I'm giving my wife the attention she deserves, I'm neglecting the kids. If I'm giving the kids the attention they need, I'm neglecting my wife or my health or my finances or planning for my future. On and on and on it goes. No matter what I'm doing a good job at, it's always at the expense of something else I should also be doing a good job at. There's never enough time, never have enough energy, always dropping the ball somewhere. And the reason this lie is, is so powerful is because there's, there's truth in it, isn't there? The truth is that on my own, I'm not enough. I can't possibly do it all. I can't possibly do a good job of all those things. I, I don't have what it takes. I'm not good enough on my own. But the truth is I'm never on my own. I'm never on my own. God's with me. His spirit dwells in me. I have access to his word and his promises. And the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living in me. And when I start to recognize those truths, when I start to recognize those truths, then I get on the right path. And I begin to say, okay, I've got the time, I've got the energy for everything that you want me to do. I have the resources for everything that you want me to do. I have the power to do the things you've called me to do. I've got a spirit dwelling in me. I've got his word comforting me, guiding me, correcting me, convicting me, empowering me. I've got, I've got everything I need. That's the truth. That's the truth. I'm working on believing it more of the time. I'm working on letting those old pathways grow over. And 2 Peter 2, 3, it's on your outlines, is the truth that demolishes this lie that I love to believe. It says, his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. That says right there, it says everything that I need to live the life that Jesus wants me to live, he's given me access to it. He's given it to me. God's word speaks the truth that because I know him, I have access to everything I need, everything I need. I cannot do it all, but Jesus didn't call me to do it all. He called me to know him, to walk with him, to trust him, to trust that he'll provide everything I need. That's the truth, that's the truth. You can't live up to God's calling on your life. Well, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
You're a loser. Good. God's word says his strength is made perfect in weakness. So when I'm weak, I'm strong. I'm just not that attractive or gifted in anything. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made by the Lord. I'm always going to be miserable. I'll never get over this hurt. No, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Everyone's going to leave. I'll always end up alone. Well, God promised to never leave me nor forsake me. I'm just a victim. I can't overcome this. It's too much. I'm always going to be addicted or dominated by something. No, by his stripes, I am healed. By the blood of the lamb, I can overcome. You and I are not who the enemy says we are. We are who God says we are. And your life and my life are moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. What comes into our mind comes out of our life. You can't have a positive life with a negative mind. So we capture the lies in our mind and we make them bow down before the truth of God's word. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to get real practical about disciplines that can help us do that. In John 8, 32, Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth shall make you what? Free. The truth shall make you free. Don't stay locked in a prison when God has opened the door. He's opened the door. Don't believe the lies when he's made the truth available to you in his word. Choose to believe the truth. Choose to walk the path of the truth and you'll be free. You'll be free. I want to challenge you this week to, to talk with a brother or sister in Christ about these two issues. What's the biggest stronghold? What's the biggest lie holding you back? And what's the truth in God's word that demolishes it? Talk to your spouse. Talk to a friend who knows the Lord and loves the Lord. Ask somebody. Email me if you need to. Talk about it in your woman's group. Talk about it in your men's group. We're going to talk about it this week at our guys' group. Talk one-on-one with someone over coffee. But, but have the conversation. Tell somebody this is what it is. This is the lie. This is what I believe. And I struggle. I struggle not to go down this path of thinking. And then share what the word is from the word that demolishes that lie. If you don't know, ask them to pray with you that God would give it to you. And then every time that lie fills your mind, you attack it with the word of God. No, this is what the word of God says. This is how I know that's not true. Don't believe the lie. Don't put yourself in a stronghold when Jesus has set you free. Let me put it this way. Don't let the weeks of this message series, don't let these 21 days of prayer just pass you by not putting in any effort, not taking it to heart, not, not really doing it. Don't go through 2019 with the same mindset that held you back in 2018. Nobody wants to do that. Don't find yourself here next January thinking, oh man, I went through another year missing out on opportunities that God had for me because I chose to believe the lies instead. Don't let this year be like last year. Don't do it. Let's pray. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? and Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for the truth of your word, Lord God. Thank you that your word lays out the true nature of reality. It lays out who we are. It lays out what the problem is and it lays out the solution and salvation provided by your son Jesus on the cross. Lord, and thank you that through Jesus, through your Holy Spirit, through your word, 
through your work on the cross, we have the power to overcome any lie, any deception, anything from our past, any sin, and choose to walk into the fullness of life that you have for us. So Father, I pray for all of us this week, even right now as we worship God, would you fill our minds with what your spirit wants us to see. If there's a thought that's holding us back, show us what it is. And Lord, even in the same moment, would you bring to mind the scripture that demolishes that lie. And Lord, in the name of Jesus, we believe and declare in faith that we will embrace your word. We will stand on your word. We will choose the path of your word. And Lord, by the grace of your spirit, we will allow those old ways of thinking to begin to grow over and become neglected. Lord, help us to walk the path of the truth over and over and over again so that we can experience the life that you have for us, Jesus. Help us, Lord. We're all in a battle. We're all in a war for our mind and for our thoughts. Lord, help us to be on the side of your word and the side of your spirit, not fighting against you, but agreeing with you, God. So Lord, have control of our minds and our thinking, Jesus, and forgive us for all the ways that we haven't agreed with the truth, Lord. Free us from those lies we ask in the name of Jesus. Well, thanks for taking this time to listen and be in the Word of God with us. If you've never given your life to Jesus, then you need to go to our website, mynewhope.ca, right now. When you get there, you'll see a graphic on our homepage that says, The Gospel. Click on that and you'll be able to watch a short video where we share the best news you'll ever hear in your life. It's more important than whatever else you're doing right now. So stop whatever else you're doing, go to mynewhope.ca and click on the gospel. If God has blessed you through this message, we'd love to hear about it. Shoot us an email at info at mynewhope.ca and let us know how God has impacted your life through his word. If you're in the greater Vancouver area, I want to invite you personally to come and be a part of New Hope Church. We believe God is doing something real special as we grow together in our faith and love for Jesus, and we would love you to be a part of it. And finally, if you'd like to support the Bible teaching ministry of New Hope through financial giving, you can also do that through our website. Just go to mynewhope.ca slash give. Thanks again for listening. Thanks for being in the Word of God with us. And always remember, God is with you.